Hello, hey, Brian here. I just wanted to do another edition of uh, some uh, answer some questions that we uh, got from our fellow believer, and uh, Laura uh, C. had responded again. And uh, I won't read, necessarily read through all this, but I'll just I'll read the highlights here, and then I will go straight into some of the questions uh, that she still has. So uh, she'd say, uh, you know, thank you so much for answering me in your podcast. That was cool. Ha, ha, I kind of like ha, ha, laughing. So I have a few more questions. Uh, I hope that's okay. And, and of course it is. I definitely uh, welcome questions and stuff. Uh, as, you know, to me, this is a way for all of us to learn together as a, a body of believers. We need to be able to, you know, bounce these, you know, questions and answers and bounce them off each other and continually to, you know, grow in uh, our understanding of, the, of our Heavenly Father and, and our, our Messiah, our Savior. So. So we'll jump right into this. Uh, the uh, first thing, uh, first question here is, uh, do you not believe we have authority to lay hands on others for healing? I know some think that only apply to the apostles. Uh, we do have a certain amount of authority as believers, don't we? And so the uh, that's kind of the first part of the that's the first kind of the first part of this uh, to kind of get into. The you know while I th- you know I think that there is. Uh, you know, definitely, I think praying for praying for people in general uh, is uh, you know is is a good thing. I think praying for people. Now we are told to not hastily lay hands on people. Uh, so this idea that a lot of the modern uh, evangelicals uh, preach about you know they want to want everyone just run around and laying hands on people and stuff. I think you know they're I, I feel like they're going above and beyond. Their, their authority and their calling uh, for mo- in, in, in most cases, okay? So, the, uh, you know, that was definitely, the at the time of the apostles, we got to keep in mind, like, that was an extraordinary time when, you know, Messiah had come and he was, you know, walking the earth and those were people that he had, uh, you know, that was, you know, his people that he had put in direct in charge and they got a full, me- you know, I, I would say, pretty much a full measure of the Holy Spirit and so it was an acceptable time because they were that was a time when literally the the kingdom of God was at hand the kingdom you know was you know had come into the world okay and so it was a time uh, where the gospel was gonna was basically you know at especially right at Pentecost in particular uh, that's where we see the fall of the Holy Spirit as fire of tongues so you know this idea that Today is necessarily going to be equal to that. Well, I mean, I don't know how many people you've seen a fire of tongue fall on anybody lately, but I haven't seen it recently. And so this idea that we're going to be equal with the apostles of old, the original apostles, I think is also a little uh, far-fetched, if you will, and stuff. So you know, because I haven't seen you know anything like that. Uh, and even modern day, when people get saved, you know, we haven't seen. The you know some of the magnificent things that you read about in the Book of Acts and stuff, for example, when the people were saved and and the Holy Spirit fell on them, okay, and stuff. A lot of times you don't see it now. People say they speak in tongues, and I've already covered, we already covered that topic in particular, uh, and stuff. And people may claim they may claim healings and this and that, and sometimes you know there can be healings. I I think sometimes there can be real healings. Um, other times they may be uh, psychosomatic. Uh, people just you know they. You know, in the heat of the moment and adrenaline and all that, smoke and mirrors in a church environment, 
uh, with music and all this kind of stuff, they, they get enough adrenaline in them and all that, and they push past their, their issues or pain uh, to whatever it is, stand up, or if they're in a wheelchair or things like that. And then, you know, but by the time they get home or by the time they wake up the next morning, they realize you know, they're, uh, they're in a world of hurt because, um, you know, they bought into a lot of the smoke and mirrors, uh, at, at, you know, like a lot of these churches have. So the, uh, and so, so, but also the idea that, I mean, there's many, many stories out there that you're, you know, uh, they're out there, but a lot of times, again, they're not going to be advertised by these churches, but there's a lot of stories out there of people that aren't healed, you know, that go to these things. You know, matter of fact, I know like the, I mean, I've seen it over the years, things like the Benny Hinn, uh, things like those crusades they, they would have all the time. I don't know if they still do those or not, but you know, people would have, they had a, a special section off to the side, kind of out of the way of the cameras, where people uh, in wheelchairs and they had major diseases and, uh, you know, just, yeah, major stuff uh, that, you know, uh, major autism and things like that. You know, they were, they'd be off, sectioned off, you know, quietly out of the way, you know, if it was not going to be a practical thing that they could heal. Well, why would you do that if, if, you're, if you're claiming to be a faith healer? Why do you have to hide these people? You know, that's, that becomes a question why they're why they're hidden. You know, a lot of times they're not even they weren't even allowed on the stage. There's, there's been reports of, you know, people like that in the wheelchairs and like that, or severe um, issues, and uh, security and stuff would they, they purposely keep them far away, you know, off on the corner, and they want them out of, out of view from the cameras. And when they someone when they try to get on stage, they won't let them. A lot of times they're blocked and and stuff, and they'll make up excuses and say it's too busy and stuff. So. You know, it's really sad, but um, you know and that's after all the all the you know hoopla on TV that they advertise. But when you actually get there in person and, and, and deal with it, if you especially if you've got a major problem, then uh, it's a different story. And that's a lot of times what you see, and that's what you see with uh, deceivers. I mean, this is that's exactly the kind of behavior I would expect from people that are deceiving you uh, to begin with and stuff. So, um, but so so yeah, so I, I do believe that healing is. You know, I believe God can heal anybody that He wishes. However, I will say this: I, I don't, I don't think that healing, uh, sh- you know, in itself should be the motivation uh, to should be the motivation to pursue God. But I also believe that the Father uses sometimes He'll use physical ailments and pain in order to uh, basically guide us um, as a kind of loving parent uses the rod against His child to guide them spiritually. To guide them, you know, guide their life, you know, uh, you know into a righteous, um, you know, into righteous uh, actions and stuff, right? And to in order to, you know, whether it's obey obey the parents or um, obey laws, stuff like that, you know. So there's a there is a, it's a righteous judgment, okay? Sometimes sometimes not always, but I'm just saying sometimes that definitely can be used and stuff. So this kind of goes back to where Apostle Paul says that the um, you know that basically he's you know, made, made, you know, that his, God's power is made perfect in basically our weakness, right? In his weakness, because Paul also had a thorn of the flesh. So again, who are we to think that, you know, this idea that we cannot be sick um, is, is really kind of ludicrous to think that we can't be sick as believers. If that's the case, then, you know, none of these, none, none of these faith healers could ever be sick, okay, which is ridiculous. They can never go to the hospital for any reason. Uh, matter of fact, why are they even aging at all? If that's the case, like, why are they getting old? You know, why, you know, why are their, why is their eyesight not 20-20 uh, their whole life and stuff? 
And so it kind of starts, if you start putting it in perspective a little bit, it starts getting a little ridiculous. The idea that we can't be sick ever in our lifetime is, I mean, it's just the whole idea is ridiculous. Uh, to, you know, and we have, like I said, there's, you know, we, we have examples of, you know, believers, you know, even apostles that had a thorn in the flesh, uh, like, you know, like uh, Apostle Paul. So, you know, the, you know, and then even there's even t- uh, texts in the Bible about, you know, drink, you know, take a little wine, you know, for your, uh, for your stomach and for your many, many ailments. Okay. Uh, so again, this, this concept thinking that, you know, we're never going to have any pain or anything in our life is, is really not biblical and stuff. So the, uh, you know, yeah, there are some sporadic, you know, once in a while there's some miracles, especially in the book of Acts in particular. But again, that was at the time, at the pinnacle of the gospel being preached to the four corners of the earth. Okay. That's the pinnacle of it. And at the time, you got to keep in mind the, all of the, basically the, if you we want to call it you know, Torah, the biblical truth, if you will, of the time was was centered in a, you know the small you know region of Israel, okay, and uh, in particular Jerusalem. And then once Messiah came and uh, died and rose again, and the you know, day of Pentecost occurred, you know, then all of a sudden the the gospel was spread. Uh, far and wide uh, through his apostles and, and disciples uh, that, that came after them as well. So, so it spread all over the all over the, all the earth. Well, since then, here we are, two thousand years later. We've got, you know, you, I mean, pretty much almost anyone can have uh, the scriptures in their hand um, in most languages all over the world. So, just think about the power of that and. You know that that concept that you know the word of God is available to pretty much every language uh, probably known known to man. Uh, and you know there's some in, in areas like China and places like that that will you know will persecute those that uh, if you have a if you have if you get caught with scriptures that kind of thing or get caught teaching it those kind of things they will persecute you. And uh, you know but they have some uh, underground churches that are I can guarantee you they're way more powerful than the ones that we have in America. Um, you know, largely because they're persecuted and stuff. So, you know, uh, they're not, you know, people that go there, they're not joining because they're being promised all these, you know, they're, they're all being, you know, guaranteed, you know, healings, not being guaranteed, uh, you know, um, a better life, not being guaranteed all this, you know, money, basically possessions and just all these things that appease the the mind of the flesh, all the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, you know, and stuff. So that's what the churches in America mostly do and even Europe. Stuff. So, just keep that in mind. Now there will come a time, uh, you know, not know for sure when, but uh, in the, here in the probably the fairly near future, uh, the, there will come a time where we'll, people in, even in America will be persecuted again uh, for for their beliefs and stuff. So that'll probably happen again. I said probably if not our lifetime here, then uh, it'll probably be the next uh, lifetime of our children or grandchildren at the latest. But and that's just my opinion. But you know, based on where I feel like we are on the timeline and stuff. So, but uh, just a couple things to kind of uh, you know, focus on there. And then, and sorry, there's a little noise back going on back here. I've got the dishwashers on. Um, and then well, we're gonna we're gonna kind of dig some more into this the um, the verse to uh, well first let me focus on this next. Uh, so 
Okay, so she had mentioned here about the uh, YouTube channel called Healing Journeys. And this is part of the whole Womack, uh, Andrew Womack guy and stuff. And I kind of, I, I pulled it up. I didn't say watch too much of it because once I seen it, I kind of knew what it was. Um, but when I see that, here's all these videos just to kind of give a kind of an overview for people that don't know what it is. Um, I've seen other churches do this to where they have a really good edited uh script of someone's healing right and they have an introduction oh I'm, I'm Billy Bob and then this is I had this horrible disease and then I was cured and stuff like that the thing about it is you know we got to keep in mind here is that you know and I, and I can't say if they were healed or not I don't I don't know but uh, let's just keep in mind for a second let's just say let's say if they were healed did Messiah when he healed people uh, did, did he tell them to did he did he put put him up as an advertisement to join his congregation, to join to you know did he did he did he forced the issues. What I'm trying to say, did he forced actually he did the exact opposite. When he when he healed people, a lot of times he said you know don't don't tell anybody or he would just say just go do the normal sacrifices at the temple as as it's called for uh, in the, in the scriptures and stuff. So he was he was kind of the opposite. He would tell people to be quiet, you know don't don't say anything. And then sometimes they still did, just out of excitement or whatever. Okay, so let's keep that in mind when we see these advertisements. People that are basically going to take, you know, you know, let's just say, you know, let's say they're taking your healing and they're trying to market it. Okay, well, what happens? Let's say if you're if you're the one that's been a part of this, and let's say you just got you got you know healed from cancer or something, and they take this, they make them, you know, they really beef it up. Oh, it's amazing. That's amazing, Billy Bob. And then uh, they take this and make a big video, whatever. And then they advertise this and they have the rights to this video about your healing. Okay. They blast it out on your deal and let, you know, and they, they add it to their channel for their, for their quote church or their healing school or whatever it is. And let's say uh, six months later or a year later, um, you know, the doctor tells you your cancer's back. Then what, right? They've got, are they going to are they going to come back? Are they going to come back and take that video down? Absolutely not. They have the rights to that video. Uh, you could die of something else, uh, even worse. And are they going to are they going to resend that video? Absolutely not. They're, it's just going to stay there because they have the rights to that video now and stuff. So you know, just keep that in mind. So I say that we got to take a step back and look at the bigger picture here. We don't know what happened. It's just a video. Anybody can claim anything in a video. And I'm not saying they're all liars, but we don't really know. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know there's, but again, it's the kind of manipulation. So they get people to, you know, do all this, get them on video, record, but we don't know what happened after the fact and stuff. So, and there's, and I wanted to bring up two real quick. There was a, um, there was, a, there was a, a, a guy, I think he was, he was a crippled uh, guy that um, Messiah had healed at the, uh, at the, uh, you know, the, at the water, at the Bathsheba well, water well thing. And that was like a healing water that says that the angel stirred the water and, you know, whoever got in the water first was going to be healed, you know, was healed or whatever. And so, but he, so he heals the guy and then the, uh, you know, immediately the guy, uh, you know, goes, basically goes to like the Pharisees and stuff like that. Well, then Messiah finds him a second, well, see, but he didn't know who, who Messiah was. He didn't know his name. Well, Messiah comes back to him later and says, you know, and tells him, you know, do good and and uh, if you if you do you know do worse, then 
uh, something worse will befall you, basically. Okay. And, you know, I, we don't have the conclusion of that story for this, for this guy, but based on his actions with him going back to the Pharisees and telling him his name, that just tells me this guy probably ended up worse than when he was before he was healed. Okay. Uh, he ended up, he ended up being probably much worse because why? Because he was wanting acceptance from man and the Pharisees and Sadducees. He wanted their acceptance more so than Messiah himself. Here's Messiah coming back to him again and telling him to do good and stuff. And what's he do? He runs to tell the Pharisees and stuff. Oh, oh, it's, it's, uh, you know, Yahusha. Um, you know, that, that's who, that's who healed me. You know, so he's wanting acceptance from man in the establishment and maybe even money. I, I kind of wonder if maybe, maybe they gave him some silver, you know, for, you know, tell me, you know, who, who he was and then I'll give you some silver possibly. We don't know for sure on that, but uh, that's just an assumption. Uh, but it's very possible that, you know, also for gain, uh, financial gain, he might have done it as well uh, and stuff. So my bet is, is that that guy ended up much worse whether that was at the uh, destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD or whether it was before, uh, no one knows, but, um, but Elohim alone and stuff. But just a kind of a thought there, though, and I, and, I kinda, and I say this for a reason because even Messiah says that, you know, we can, um, you know, to, in order for, it, for even for like a, a demon to, you know, to leave uh, somebody, then the... Uh, you know, all, basically, then they bring seven more worse than themselves, right? That whole that whole part where they bring seven more worse than themselves, and they find the place, you know, swept and, and stuff, and cleaned a little bit, but you know, ultimately, basically, the person hasn't changed, and so then then the the basically the end of the person's state is worse than the first, right? So it's the same principle there, and so we got to realize sometimes too that, you know, and my, my point is is that healing alone does not guarantee salvation okay healing alone just because someone got a healing it doesn't guarantee anything it doesn't mean you were that they're that they're saved it doesn't mean that it's you know oh i was so-and-so got a healing they were healed from cancer hallelujah they're saved for life well hold on now that's not what we're, <laughs> that shouldn't be the that's not the message you know and i feel like a lot of times when people you know kind of put that you know they, they assume that that because someone got a healing, that means we're saved. And my, my point is, not necessarily. Uh, so, and there's even been prophets that have had, you know, sickness and ailments. And uh, Elisha, in particular, uh, we, we know he was sick uh, and stuff. And he was one of the one of the more powerful ones outside Elijah, in all in all of Scripture, outside of Messiah and Elijah alone. Uh, he was one of the most powerful of all. Uh, so, in terms of you know miracles and anointing, uh, he was definitely one of the most powerful ones. And he had a, he had he had sickness. So again, this idea that we can't be sick is is a corruption and it's not scriptural. Okay, and so and again, we cannot uh, escape we can't escape death, disease, and sickness. But again, for those that love God, then these will be worked uh, to our benefit, right? These things will be for our benefit in the long run. Uh, so uh, that's something to kind of kind of think about. Okay, so. Um, Let's see, uh, the, uh, yeah, I covered that. I'm just going to go through my notes here. Um, and then, so the, uh, we talked about healing journeys. Okay, then uh, you mentioned here they believe Christ paid for our physical sickness as well as our sins 
as in by his stripes we are healed. Okay, so now that's a big discussion there. Uh, so why don't we get into that? And that's that's quoted from the uh, book of First Peter, chapter two, and we're getting at basically at verse about twenty-four. But real quick, what I want to do is uh, well, let me go ahead and read that. Let's go ahead and read that. So, so First uh, Peter chapter two, verse twenty-four. Now let's read this real quick, and then we're gonna we're gonna kind of uh, we're gonna kind of analyze a little bit more. Uh, who, who is, who is, uh, who his own self bore our sins, talk about Messiah, uh, that he, he bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And in verse 25, uh, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Okay. So, the, uh, and then also I will say here, stripes is, uh, I would say is better translated as wounds, more than stripes. Stripes kind of tends to be um, more, usually more relegated to uh, stripes, you know, from like a whip and things like that. Uh, Wounds is more general, a general term, uh, just saying that he was, you know, uh, wounded basically in general for uh, for the sin, sins of the world, basically, uh, for our, all of our sins. So, uh, so I would say wounds would be a better translation there. But and now uh, the word healed. So let's look at that. And I was going to go. Um, I was looking up the Greek for this. And I've got. I was looking into the complete word study dictionary uh, for the New Testament here. And uh, this is the word for healed is the Greek Strong's number twenty three ninety. Uh, and if you don't have a Strong's Concordance, that's fine. You can always look it up online these days. You can just even Google stuff like that, and it'll pull right up for you. But the uh, and obviously it does mean uh, you know heal, uh, to heal, cure, restore, to bodily health. Uh, that, but then also I want to go down and read some more of this real quick. So metaphorically, of moral diseases to heal or save from the consequences of sin. Okay. And, it, and there's just some references here. Matthew 13, verse 15. John uh, chapter 12, verse 40. Acts 28, verse 27. And uh, quoted in Isaiah uh, 610. Uh, Luke 418. And there's Hebrews 12, 13. James 5, 16. 1 Peter 2, 24. Of course, that's what we're talking about. And then, um, yeah, it just, it was, like I said, and then it goes back, it references back to Isaiah 53, which we'll look at here in a minute. So, um, and that's that's what I want to focus on right now, though, is is on this real quick, and then uh, just kind of get into this. So, but if we if we read overall, uh, if you read the whole chapter of chapter two of, of, of First Peter, there, you will you should be able to see what the uh, the overall arching thing here is. It, it, the point is is that is overcoming sin and uh, living a righteous life. Okay. Matter of fact, chapter three starts getting into that exact thing uh, in terms in terms on basically, you know, civil actions and living in a civil life, and talks about the women, you know, uh, you know, uh, being respectful to their you know, husbands, all this kind of stuff. Okay, and so, um, you know, the point here is is that verse twenty four is not talking in this is not talking about physical healing. Uh, that's that's been a misinterpretation. 
for many, many years uh, in the uh, in the evangelical churches and stuff that they, they take this verse out of context on purpose because it suits what they're wanting uh, to do. That's what they use to make money and stuff. So, so now also by when it says by, by whose stripes ye were healed or by who by who those by whose wounds I would say uh, ye were healed. Well, this is uh, this is a direct reference to Isaiah chapter 53. But before we go there, real quick, I wanted to read a couple other commentaries on this, just so you can kind of see this is not just me saying it. So from um, Albert Barnes' commentary of the New Testament, it says here, um, "Ye were healed." Sin is often spoken of as a disease, and redemption from it as a restoration from a deadly malady. Okay, so that's you know. So keep in mind this you know the the, the couple of these I'm reading from right now. These commentaries are actual. These are actually theologians. Okay, that that knew the scriptures very very well, and um, and you know studied them for many many years. Okay. Uh, so keep in mind. So if people are worried about just taking my word for it, um, just keep in mind that I'm I'm reading from some of these other ones. Uh, now from the Matthew Henry's commentary of the Bible, let's go in here. Okay, so let me read some of this. So um, okay, it's talking about Messiah again. That he bore the punishment of them and thereby satisfied divine justice. Uh, that hereby uh, he takes away our sins and removes them away from us as the scapegoat did uh, typically a bear typically would bear the sins of the people on his head and then carry them uh, you know, quiet quiet away and that's in Leviticus 16 so the lamb of god does first bear our sins in his own body and thereby take away the sins of the world the and that's also in John 1:29 the fruits of of uh, Christ sufferings are one our sanctification consisting of the death and mortification of sin and a new holy life of righteousness for both which we have an example and powerful motives and abilities also from the death and resurrection of Christ uh, our and two our justification Christ was bruised and crucified as an uh, expiatory sacrifice and by his stripes we are healed okay so again, that's uh, you know another uh, you know very very popular Matthew Henry's commentary is very very popular, uh, very well respected as well uh, as well as Barnes. But um, so there's two right there of theologians that you know none none of them are saying here that you know yes this guaranteed your healing that this you know um, that you know yes by this and, then, and there's also nothing nothing here says that you know. We should be running around, you know, yelling that from the rooftops at everyone that, you know, uh, by his stripes you are healed, um, and claiming that. Uh, no one's saying to claim that and and lay on hands. It's, it's not a direct. There's no nothing direct reference, um, you know, to that either. So uh, just keep that in mind and stuff. So and again, this goes back to Isaiah 53, which is, which was basically, you know, it was part of the prophetic. Uh, you know, uh, you know, pro- prophecy of Messiah that He would come and die for our sins. Okay, that's the whole. That's really the whole point is that He would come and, and, and die for our sins, um, not necessarily physical healing, um, although that was also used as a sign that Messiah had come. That was that was used as a powerful message 
uh, that all the way up to Pentecost and even after some of the miracles that happened at that time uh, that was saying, yeah, this is, this is an historic time. And so there was a lot of miracles at that time. But for us to expect to compete with that, I think, again, is, is kind of ridiculous uh, to try to compete with that and stuff. So, and then even to, to think to do so, I think we have to kind of question our motives behind it. Do we, do we really just want to have power? Do we want to have uh, control over this? And then, um, you know, we want to have control over our sicknesses and think that we can just wish them away and talk them away. Uh, you know, I think, you know, rather the scriptural answer would be, you know, uh, seek the Father's face uh, in, in humility, and then he, he, can, he may heal you. Now, also, the, we know in the book of James, we know that James talks about if you're, if you're sick, you need to go, go to the, the bishops or whatever, depending on the translation, but, you know, basically go to the elders of the, of the, of the church, and they would anoint you with oil if you're sick, Okay. That's supposed to be how it's handled scripturally in a church environment. And I'm not saying church in terms of building here, but church just means it just means a, an assembly of believers are gathering. So the the concept is that the elders should anoint you with the oils and then and, and, and they pray for you. Okay. Now this also means you have to you know you, you can't be you know living in sin. Uh, obviously, if someone was living in sin. Uh, they had committed some kind of, you know, uh, an atrocious act that was known or something like that, then they would definitely, uh, the elders would not likely anoint them with oil and pray for them. Uh, they would be first chastised and try to get them returned back to the fold first and stuff. So it's not this idea of just, you know, again, this willy-nilly laying on of hands of people that, you know, the night before they were just doing lesbian acts at home uh, or something crazy or you know, they're out doing drugs and drinking or whatever, and then they come to church the next Sunday and uh, expect to be healed and laying on hands, and uh, they're going to hoop and holler in, in church and stuff, and no one's, no one's the wiser, right? So, because they think that God's not, can't see what they're doing, uh, but, you know, all things will be revealed, okay? So again, I, I don't want people to think that you can live in sin and expect to be healed. Um, even, even the righteous may not be healed. That's all, all up to the Father, ultimately, whether you know, whether people are healed or not, and I, I'm just saying there has to be a level of humility, in my belief. Um, if we you know, and if we don't fear, if we don't fear the Almighty, then we lack wisdom, um, and so we need to pursue that. That we, uh, you know, get into the Word, understand Him, and with the fear of Elohim comes great wisdom. Okay, uh, those go hand in hand, uh, scripture-wise. Okay. All right, now I wanted to read, since we're talking kind of about some of that, I want to get into this too. There, I've got this uh, Zondervan, it's a pictorial uh, encyclopedia of the Bible. I had some really good notes in here I wanted to read. Okay, and this is on the same thing here. Um, talking, now this is specifically on, the, on, the, uh, on, the, on healing, okay? And so let's go through this real quick. So the healing, uh, the gift of healing, this kind of gets into that. So... Um, uh, the theme of the, the theme of the uh, and that's talking about First Corinthians uh, chapter twelve, uh, which the theme of the chapter is unity in which the uh, one and the same Spirit distributes and administers the varieties of gifts within the one body of, of Christ. Um, at Corinth, uh, and then okay, it says here okay certain gifts such as apostleship, prophecy, and teaching. First Corinthians twelve twenty eight, Romans twelve six through eight. 
uh, have um, modi operandi and fulfill the normal needs of the church. Others have special and exceptional functions. While they uh, could be associated with certain members in the church, uh, 1 Corinthians 12.30, these, these particular individuals are not set forth as appointed with gifts so as to become official or regular workers of miracles or, or healings. While Peter and Paul, as well as Philip in Samaria, had an extensive healing ministry as recorded uh, in the book of Acts, they were not known as divine healers, nor is there any such designation elsewhere in Scripture, or designation elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, gifts of healing were spontaneous within the assembly, and their ex- exercise implied the rendering of uh, service among believers. The uh, gifts of uh, gifts of healing suggest varieties of the sickness, uh, a variety of sicknesses healed, and the different manners in which the healings took place. Uh, further light is cast upon the function of these gifts in James 5, where a procedure is given for the corporal uh, local church regarding those who particularly desire bodily healing. The sick, James 5:14, literally uh, without strength, and thus perhaps prostrate, uh, uh, you know, pay, the, or the patient is to call for the elders of the church who are to anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and pray over him. Biblical anointing is symbolic of the Holy Spirit who administers the manifestation of gifts. Okay, and let me skip over here a little bit. Then the promise in James 5 is that the anointing of oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick man and the Lord will raise him up. Verse 15. Furthermore, believers are to confess their faults to one another and pray for one another that they may be healed, since the prayer of a righteous man has great power in its effects. Verse 16. Okay, and then thus it appears that the suggested uh, procedure as related to the sick who are to call for the elders of the church is not the only uh, circumstantial manner by which God heals. God also heals as believers pray for one another. But it is, uh, it is the elders and not so divine healers, uh, not so called divine healers, that are to be sought when believers uh, who are sick and body are hindered from gathering with the assembly. The prayer of the faith is required, and the gift is in no way separated from the giver, the capital G, the blessing from the capital B, blesser, or a human healer from the divine one, capital O. N E or just though uh, talking about God here, of course. So, sin is the greatest hindrance to the prayer of faith, whether it be in the patient or in those who pray and fellowship for Him. Sin is not necessarily the reason why God does not heal or give the prayer of faith, since the Holy Spirit apportions to each one individually as He wills. Okay. So uh, that's kind of just a. You know, kind of recap on that. I just, I really liked that uh, verbiage, um, how that was worded. And as we can see, it's talking about, you know, that, you know, they're not necessarily a, a particular divine healer. That that's not necessarily an office, you know, within the within the church. And of course, nowadays we have we have kind of the opposite situation where, you know, these healing schools and stuff are trying to tell every everyone, you know, that we're all we're all uh, you know, we all can do prophecy. We can all you just got to be trained on prophecy. Uh, we all got to be trained on healing and all these supernatural schools and all this stuff. Uh, that's just not biblical whatsoever. The, the Holy Spirit uh, and the Almighty you know, decides on who gets what gifts and who doesn't. Okay, uh, so 
the um, yeah, just something to think about there. Uh, so, okay, and then the uh, let's see. Let's go back to those questions here. Okay, so he believes uh, healing is for all and talks a lot. Of, okay, this is going back to the other guy uh, witnessing laying on hands people who need healing. Again, you know, again, I, you know, the whole laying on of hands and stuff. We not, you know, we're not, we shouldn't be doing that. Uh, we shouldn't be, you know, uh, rushing in to do stuff like that. People, especially people we don't know. I mean, you know, um, you know, are you going to rush in and go to someone? You know, I mean, we're even told not to let someone in our house. That's that's a, a non-believer. That's a, um, you know, meaning like a third or like a false teacher type of thing. You know, so you know, are we going to go and lay our hands on people like that? I'd be very very cautious doing that. Uh, you know, again, I think this, you know, that kind of thing should be left, um, you know, to, um, you know, on, on, on rare occasions, I think. You know, and also, they need to be people that, I mean, they need to be requesting it. I mean, it has to be people that are truly repentant. If they're repentant of heart and they're wanting to, they're, they are they are seeking the face of God and they are asking questions about Scripture and Messiah and those kind of things, then they need to be talked to and, and see if they're true, uh, see if they really are um sincere because uh, some a lot of people a lot of people sadly a lot of people just want they just want their healing so they can carry on with their life and even maybe even their sinful life so um we have to be careful with that and that's you know because ultimately god knows our heart okay uh, so if we're just wanting if people are just wanting it for selfish reasons uh, for personal gain those kind of things then uh, you know like i said god knows our heart and, and that, that won't uh, um, you know, he won't, he can't, he won't be, uh, manipulated basically. Okay. So, so um, and then also I, I had a quote here I wanted to mention was that Messiah talks about how they, uh, you know, in particular the Pharisees at that time, but, but basically most, of, I would even say most of Israel at the time, because uh, he said it was the, uh, the wicked and the most corrupt generation. Okay. Uh, they'd be, you know, really been the most corrupt generation, um, at, up to that point. He said, you know, they, they honor me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. Well, this is exactly, I would say, what we see today with most of these uh, faith healers and stuff. They, they're, you know, they're, what they honor with their mouth is, I mean, all, all day long. I mean, they, you know, um, you know, they're out there just like a Pharisee would out, you know, boastfully, you know, saying, you know, uh, in Jesus' name and this and that. Uh, but, you know, th- do their actions show that later uh, when they leave and they go home, you know, and stuff. And um, when they when they pass that beggar uh, on the str- on the side of the road uh, so they can, you know, they don't want to get any mud on their on their brand new uh, leather shoes. You know, is that representing the heart of Messiah uh, and the heart of the father? Um, you know, most likely not. No, I'd say so. Um, just keep that in mind again to look at the whole the holistic view of their life in comparison to to Messiah which is a lot you know which is a part of what that's what Paul talks about in that chapter 2 uh, or I'm sorry Peter when he, he talks about that in, in 1 Peter 2 you know about that we, you know he's our he's Messiah's our example okay of how to live righteously okay and maybe even die righteously if we have to uh, which is very possible in the last days okay um, let's see, and he said some stuff here. I think okay. So um, Laura had also said, "I want to please the Lord like never before and be obedient to His word." Uh, but being constantly in pain and sick has robbed me of so much. Um, and then, um, you know, and then part here he said, "The only good thing about 
getting this sick is it's put all my dependence on God. Okay. And I'm, let me just say this, um, you know, Laura, I, I know again, I'm sorry you're, you're having pain and, and you're going through all this and stuff. So, and I, and I, I'm, I'm praying for you as well. Um, but I, I will say this though, again, I, I mentioned the verse about the, that how, um, you know, God's you know, power is made perfect in, in our weakness, basically. And the, um, you know, with that, so just keep in mind that, you know, sometimes this can be the best blessing of all. It kind of goes back to when Messiah talks about if, you're, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, right? And, uh, of course, the modern church uh, scoffs at that, 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 that concept. I don't scoff at it at all. It makes perfect sense uh, from a biblical standpoint and a, and a, holi- a holy standpoint uh, of living righteously. Uh, would you, you know, would we not rather, you know, you know, cut off a member of our body if it meant the difference between uh, entering the kingdom of heaven? Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I, don't, I don't scoff at Messiah's words. I take them very, very seriously, as I think we all should and stuff. So, um, but... Here, you know, and I've I've been there too. I mean, I you know I've had. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager, I was having a lot of pains and growing pains and all that. And you know, I look back and I wouldn't I wouldn't take it back for nothing because that's really what got me into the Word at the time. I, I ended up, uh, you know, it was between that and my father passing when I was young. Uh, I was about eight years old when he passed away, and so I told God that, well, I guess you're my father now. You know, and that's kind of how I've. I've, you know, felt since, and I ended up getting a stepdad, but the, uh, you know, but still, I always felt like, okay, God's my father now, and, and so that's how I felt since I was, well, probably about eight or so, but, um, but then about when I was about 12, I really started getting into scriptures and reading the Bible every night before bed. I just read even just a little bit of scripture, and that's something I highly recommend for people. If you're not re- in, in the Word much, uh, just, just put your, put your Bible next to your bed, and just, you know, start at Genesis 1 and just read whatever you can before you go to bed every night. Just read, even if it's even if it's just a couple of verses or something, or just one little chapter, a small chapter or something like that. Just go through, read it, and you just keep your bookmarker there. And every night you just read what you can. And a lot of times what you find is, what I found, I mean, there were some nights I was really tired and I just read, I read very little and stuff. And then there were some nights that... Uh, you really get caught up in a story, right? When you're reading like the story, the story of Joseph, or uh, some of these very emotional stories, and or some exciting stories and uh, and stuff, then you kind of you can get caught up in it, right? You know, uh, you know, Sans, uh, Samson and, and and David and things like that. You can get caught up in them, and uh, sometimes you can you get in a story and you you just got to finish it before you get to bed. So, uh, so I highly recommend that. It's a great way to get into the Word, and you're getting in the Word consistently. Um, and so in that way, you, you kind of read through all the scriptures, you get through all of it. Uh, eventually, it may take you a year, a year and a half or something, maybe longer uh, to get through the whole, the whole scriptures. But at least you've read through it all at least one time, um, you know, and then you can always, then you can you know, start getting into specific studies eventually, okay? And stuff. So um, that's just something I highly recommend is that. Also, I wanted to mention here. Uh, obviously, don't forsake you know prayer, uh, but also something to think about here is uh, fasting. And now, of course, you know fasting for people that can do it. I know uh, some people may have dietary restrictions. If, if that's the case, then I recommend intermittent fasting is a great way to kind of work your way up to possible full fasting at some point. Okay, 
Um, and again, talk to your doctor and all that stuff before you start anything like that. Um, but intermittent fasting just means you're going long periods of time before you eat something, okay, and stuff. So uh, you just, you know, something to think about would be prayer and fasting uh, and stuff. So the, um, you know, and I say prayer is, uh, you know, pray about too. I mean, there, there, you know, is there things in your life you need to fix? Okay, there may be things in your life that need to be fixed in terms of is there some is there some overarching uh, you know issues in your life that can be fixed? Is there do you have anyone uh, any do you have do you have a brother or sister or family member you have something against? Uh, maybe you have, if people have if they haven't talked to, talked to your, your sister in years because uh, y'all had a you know an going out thing years ago or your mom or dad or anything like that. Uh, you know sometimes you have to you have to heal that scenario. You got to you got to make amends before you go to the temple and sacrifice, right? The same thing. Now our sacrifice is our prayer and worship is our sacrifice, okay? We don't have the temple to go have to slaughter an animal anymore. But, you know, so now we have to release that burden from whoever we have a hard time with, release that burden, forgive them, and, you know, tell, tell them such that, you know, and talk to them, make amends with your brother or sister or whoever it is, make amends first, and then come and pray humbly before the Lord, okay? And then I said, consider also fasting uh, as, as part of that. And, of course, the Bible study. Those all go hand in hand, okay, and stuff. So I would do that, seek that. And if you do have if you do have a pastor or local church or somebody that you trust, then um, you might even uh, ask them for, you know, to be anointed but with oil and prayed over, okay, and stuff for, for healing and stuff specifically. That would be the way to approach it rather than going to these people that are laying on hands and stuff, and they may pass something that you don't want. Um, so that's how I would approach it, scripturally speaking. Okay. Okay, and um, I think the rest of this kind of got into the in speaking in tongues. So I'm glad to hear that you're that Laura that you're going to hold off speaking in tongues unless you just felt like the the, the spirit just you know actually um, you know put it on you. So I, I'm glad to hear that. And yes, uh, you mentioned here would that mean that that person that was uh, cursing God uh, in tongues um, was if that was demonic, and, and I would say likely so. Uh, yeah, I know it's a very scary thought, but um, but um, it would pretty much probably have to be because if they didn't understand their what they're saying either, then it's got to be, it's most likely it was probably demonic type of stuff. So, uh, but definitely creepy uh, <laughs> so, and stuff. So that's kind of the overall uh, theme here, and uh, I don't want to make this too much longer, uh, but I think we covered quite a bit. Um, again, if you need to go back through, read. Uh, I, I encourage reading First Peter, that whole chapter two. At least read that whole chapter two to kind of get the context of it, because again, you'll see it's talking about sin and living a righteous life, living righteously, and Messiah's our example. That's kind of the overarching theme of that chapter to begin with. Um, is that it's not about physical healing per se. Uh, and that quote goes back to Isaiah 53. If you go back and read that about the uh, your stripes being healed the you know if you read that also it, you'll see it's about it's a prophecy about Messiah coming and uh, bearing our sins okay which is exactly what Paul's talking about here as well uh, or on Peter I keep saying Paul apologize so but that's exactly what Apostle Peter's talking about so uh, just keep that in mind and if, if you want to really uh, dig into this and know the truth uh, then, and then if you know the truth you're less likely to be, to be deceived right uh, in this modern day where there's a lot of deceptions out here. So, all right. Well, I hope that blessed you, uh, you know, Laura and everybody else uh, that's listening. Uh, you know, if you have any other questions, let, reach out to me. 
Uh, I will mention real quick that the website, I'm, I am moving, uh, moving the website, I'm transitioning uh, to uh, biblicaldiscernment.substack.com. So if you, you know, make sure you get over there and register on there, and I'll be posting uh, the podcast over there as well as, as these come out and stuff. So uh, make sure you're on that one because I'm going to be I'm going to eventually be phasing out the uh, biblical-discernment.com. I'm going to be phasing that out. I don't know exactly when, but sometime this year for sure, uh, maybe in the coming months. And so uh, try to get on the Substack one um, and stuff. Again, that's just to kind of cut some cost out and stuff. Okay. All right. Well, be blessed, Messiah, and uh, talk to you later.